Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to Gigabit Nation. I'm your host, Craig Suttles, and we are here to help public, private, and non-profit organizations get broadband everywhere it needs to be. Uh, when you talk about bringing a gigabit service to a uh, large metro area, it's hard to get people to think about the benefits because they get rather hook, um, hooked up on the, uh, the price tag of bringing that service into town. And when you also then talk about uh, high-speed access for low-income uh, communities, some people wonder, well, what's the business case in actually doing that? And so um, today I decided, well, I want to tackle um, both of these issues. And so I have on the show today um, Ron Deus, who is the CEO of a regional um, WISP or wireless ISP called NetX. Uh, NetX is in the business of providing broadband speeds for up to a gigabit in the Cleveland, Ohio area, and is getting ready to expand into uh, Manhattan. Ron, welcome to the show. Thank you. Good to be on. Yes, and, and actually Ron has been on the show before, and uh, we got talking a couple of um, months ago and said, well, it's, it's time to talk about uh, some more what you guys are up to, um, and uh, not only within the the, this, the Cleveland area, but also uh, there was a big thing that happened back in the fall where Manhattan was going to now become this major uh, Wi-Fi enabled city, and um, and Ron, Ron's going to actually play a, a part of that, which we'll go to in, in a minute. But uh, yeah, so, so Ron and I have had some some history of just you know keeping in touch, and so I wanted to see you know what's new. So what have you been doing besides um, bringing a gig to uh, urban America and in 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 the, in, in, in the uh, uh, Cleveland area? So we've been uh, very busy um, upgrading our capacity. Uh, in services uh, he, here in Cleveland, while at the same time uh, building out infrastructure in our new uh, locations that we're uh, constantly putting up. And uh, it's been really more of a situation where uh, the infrastructure where we were originally gearing up to provide, you know, up to uh, a gigabit in terms of service to going uh, past and beyond uh, gigabit service to several gigabits and uh, increasing capacity, uh, providing Wi-Fi in, in, in public areas, and um, continuing, you know, to deliver, you know, more more broadband. So now, how is it that you guys are able to deliver a gig wirelessly? Because I think the average person, you know, when you talk about um, wireless access, they now they will acknowledge that you can get 20, 40 megs per second um, of, of speed, but I think most people might just say, well, who actually does a gig wirelessly? 
So how how do you do that? Right. Well, that's a good question. And the and the biggest um, difference in what we do versus what may be commonly known as wireless access is in the cellular world. Um, you know, people are used to to looking at speeds from their phone and uh, from a mobile standpoint. Um, what we do is what's called fixed wireless, and we have um, our antennas and our radios pointed at uh, towers that we have set up in the area, and it's basically um, a microwave to millimeter wave in the case of gigabit access um, throwing, basically pointing back to our towers and a stationary antenna. And with those stationary antennas and, and larger, uh, more powerful gain antennas, we're able to get to those higher speeds. Okay. And um, now what are some of the limits or limitations that that, that you have to work with so um, to get the the best, or I should say the, the higher end speeds, when we get cr- closer to uh, gigabit plus speeds, it's, it's it becomes important to have what they call line of sight or from the roof line of where we put the um, fixed antennas that they can actually see the towers that they're they're connected to. Um, lots of times you don't always have that luxury. And in those cases, um, we may not be reaching the, the higher end speeds of uh, gigabit plus, but we can also get, you know, some pretty high speeds up to you know, 100 meg or more in, in some cases when we have near or non of sight. Mm-hmm. So you managing so you managing to work with and around various app, um, limitations and what have you, are there um, advantages in providing wireless in an urban setting versus a rural setting? Yeah, there is. I mean, we get a lot of advantages just by the, the, the virtue of the technology itself. You know, typically when you're in, an, in, in urban areas, you would imagine that there's cables going to everywhere or um, having to cable through, you know, a downtown area or densely populated or uh, heavily congested area can be an issue um, in terms of just right-of-way paths in and around to the areas that you need to get to, uh, permits or, or, or just, you know, rights to the location um, on top of um, telephone poles and electric poles to get to where you need to go to. Uh, in our case, um, using wireless technology, we don't even have to worry about most of those things and where we can, you know, get across the street or get, you know, a mile or two down from where we need to go and um, fix, fix the our antenna and deliver service. Okay. Um, do you run into a lot of um, skepticism? Um, because I know whenever I bring up the subject of, um, you know, getting more speed, 
you know, everyone wants to talk about fiber, and they want to say, you know, fiber is it, and that's the best way to do it, and this, that, and the other kind of thing. Now, there are right. other folks, people, and like a couple of the, the co-ops that are providing service um, that that saying, you know, a lot of the uh, community, a lot of people don't need that much speed. There is the capacity that's needed, you know, so you kind of need to have that, you know, getting – yeah, several uh, hundreds of megs of, uh, of uh, capacity, but that's a very that's somewhat of a different thing. But I would imagine that the the skepticism starts to you know become an issue as well. Sure. Yeah. Absolutely. We we run into that a lot um, simply because it's not something that is you know marketed or talked about a lot and. So the education around what wireless is is, uh, is still something that people are getting used to and understanding. Um, what people are familiar with is fiber technology and running fiber from one location to the other. But what what has happened over the you know last few years is that um, you know wireless technology has been you know growing. At a, and developing at a you know really fast pace, I would say almost faster than fiber technology. They they don't have to worry about a concealed um, type of environment where they can go from one point to the other. In the wireless world, uh, the the chipset since we've crossed uh, technology from going from an analog to digital domain, and now the speeds uh, that can be achieved are really lim- only limited by the chipsets that are able to go fast enough to decode, you know, the signals that come through. So we're at a point to where, you know, the the speed in providing connectivity over wireless has gotten in this gigabit era, um, area where um, previously that wasn't the case. And when you say um, wireless, people tend to think of many different forms of wireless technology and, and kind of mix them up in their head and think that they're they're all the same. Uh, for instance, you know, wireless can mean satellite uh, technology uh, where you're coming from out of space and you're coming down to, to the ground, or you may be thinking of Bluetooth uh, technology, which is, of course, different from uh, what we're talking about in terms of microwave and millimeter wave uh, technology. Okay, so you 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 take it into account and deal with that kind of uh, skepticism. Now, is it getting better? As in, is it I think so. Yeah, I mean, we 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 found out that you know uh, you know as time goes by, people are getting more comfortable. I mean. When we got to the era of 4G and people started getting, you know, internet streaming and and, and that type of um, capabilities from their phones and tablets and laptops, uh, they they've become more familiar with the idea of getting internet, you know, wirelessly. Um, so now it seems like, hey, yeah, this is the realm of possibilities. There should be a way to be able to get you know, high-end bandwidth, um, you know, over the years. So it's it's been getting better as people are getting more accustomed to 
um, connecting wirelessly. Hmm. Okay. Now you're um, looking to expand to New York. Um, give me a yes. little bit of some of the, the, the details on that because I know, like I said, there was a big announcement in the in the fall. Um, the city officials were really uh, gun ho about getting wireless all over town. Um, what is to, what's that about, and how real is that uh, effort? Well, it's a, it's an effort that is definitely moving forward, and you know, in a in a in a city in a town like that, um, you know, there there's a need to be connected, and there's a need for people to be able to access the Internet um, whenever, however they can, as they go through about, uh, go about their busy days. And, um, you know, whenever you have that level of ubiquitous access, um, you know, there's always, um, you know, an economic, you know, boost to uh, the community um, just because of having, you know, that access. So that's, that was probably more important for them to, to, to as they looked at trying to make this happen. And, you know, there's a lot of resources there to to make that happen. And, and part of what they were trying or what they're looking to do at this point is use what was the old uh, telephone system or the, 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 uh, the payphone access that is you know, has been around for quite some time and is kind of still in, in place at the, you know, throughout the city. Um, there's been also an effort to get that into the subways, which is another challenge uh, in terms of how that technology works. Um, but as as things just, you know, as things progress and just like anything, you know, rolling, rolling out in a, in a densely populated area like that, you know, requires you know, maybe streets to be blocked off while construction happens and upgrades, um, you know, could become an issue when you're trying to get through to areas that are, you know, highly congested. But isn't your your payback on your investment going to be fairly substantial? Because, I mean, especially in New York City and Manhattan, um, there's, you know, there's just bot people on top of people all the time, and right. uh, I would imagine that, you know, if you're if you're providing uh, high speed service, that the number, just the sheer volume of uh, potential people, uh, customers, has got to be, you know, staggering in a sense. Yeah, and that's what um made it interesting for us to you know, probably go in what most people consider a highly competitive market uh, in terms of, you know, providing access. But in reality, what come across, um, you know, throughout, you know, this country, it, it, it's gotten to a point to where we've had a lot of consolidation in the telecommunications industry and, um, you know, through efforts from the government and or non-efforts, you know, we've we've gotten to, you know, a handful of providers. And when you get to a market, um, you know, as saturated as that, you get the, the, you know, the monolithic companies that are providing that access. They tend to 
get slow on their upgrades um, cycles. They they tend to, you know, raise prices um, that's not, you know, relative to, you know, their expenses and, and moving, you know, forwards. We, we see, you know, an opportunity there. And, um, you know, as a uh, wireless ISP, like most other uh, WISPs, you know, you, you, you build your network to try to be as efficient as possible. And with that, you, you find technologies that allow you to do things um, a lot more efficiently and, and, and hopefully gain in, in, in profit. Mm, okay. Because that really leads to a question um, is, you know, are, are people not understanding the need or is it more that there is not an understanding in the uh, halls of government, be they state or national, um, where there's so much focus on rural and, Lord, we need to get more people and, you know, and more people connected in, in, in rural areas and so forth, right, not to denigrate that need, but aren't we over, well, not we, but are there people in high places that are that are making a mistake by not understanding the actual need in, uh, on the ground. Yeah, I, I I would say so, and and I think that you know there's there's not only a, a need um, in the rural areas where it's it's a lot difficult to get infrastructure to, but also in the suburban and, and urban areas where um you see what you know you may some sometimes call redlining going to the most affluential parts of town to you know to to get access there first or to do the upgrades that are, that need to happen in those areas while some of the other areas that are maybe just you know a mile or two away uh, become a desert and um you know it it just becomes for for some of these larger companies um a shareholder thing where you know profits for the the easy profits are easier to get to and I think this has been a constant theme um by those of us in the industry. It's this whole the, the cherry picking uh, process, and I think that right. you know it's not just the large telephone telecom companies and cable companies, but I mean people have accused uh, um, Google of doing the same thing, and some of the other um, uh, entities that are that are talking about getting involved in broadband. You know, it seems like there's always this issue of um, big companies trying to find fast, you know, easy profit and will basically ignore other parts. And it's very uh, frustrating. Um, sure. I guess on the, flip, on the flip side, you can say, well, yes, but then there are opportunities as a result of that short-sightedness on the part of the, um, the big guys, right? And so that's where, mm-hmm. where a company like yours comes into play because you're more 
uh, agile in, in the market and able to take on opportunities and so forth. Plus, you're not carrying all that big overhead nor shareholder uh, overload um, that can make life rather difficult for the larger companies. Yeah, I mean, no, that's that's, that's uh, definitely true. Uh, so now, we're, oh, sorry, go ahead. Well, what I was going to say was that, you know, what we focus on is, uh, you know, opportunities, and those opportunities can come in, from from various locations and various markets uh, that are in the areas that we can serve. And, um, you know, an opportunity is an opportunity. We don't see that as anything different. Mm-hmm. Now, we talked a little bit before the, the show started. Um, you mentioned that your uh, customers, uh, a, a lot, a significant part of your customers, are are along the business corridors. How how do you describe that for you know the average person? What's a business corridor? So, so in 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 a lot of you know towns and cities, there are you know parts of town where you know offices are set up, and um, typically we I would say our customers, uh, majority of our customers are, you know, organizations that are you know, three or more people. They may have a an IT person or someone that manages their network, and, um, and it's an office environment where multiple computers and multiple people are, are working. So you usually find that in, you know, the areas where offices are set up, uh, and, ten, and they tend to be districts. Uh, set up where where that's the case uh side by side of course with you know residential areas in an urban in an urban landscape mhm and that, yeah cause another thing that we talked about uh as well is the um you know when you you were describing uh who your customers are you know you basically so, well, one of the areas are, you know, you've got low-income uh, residents, but you also mm-hmm. have suburban residents, right? And in my mind, I was sure. like, well, where that, where that, how did that happen? And so, what, what's the, what's the dynamic that leads to, in essence, um, both ends of the spectrum, the low end, the high end, in the same, in the same um, uh, area? You know, I think it, it has a lot to do with, you know, um, city planning and, and, and maybe the way uh, city development happens. And, you know, you can be on one side of the town where there's a lot of, um, you know, businesses that are that have set up shop and, you know, maybe they've come into an area where, you know, at one point because there were a lot of low income and maybe – abandoned property that they found something cheap and all of a sudden now you have you know bigger or larger enterprises sitting right by lower income you know developments uh or areas and um you know once you have that you know um you know two-sided air you know uh demographic then 
the others kind of kind of come in because they see opportunity for either working at these locations or locations where they they can find you know cheaper housing. Okay. So in in, in essence, the the portrait of you know low income residents. They're not all you know, like if you take a block, then you know, or an area where you guys are, are are you know cultivating customers, you are basically having um, not this homogenous whole group of folks all in, in the one economic spectrum all together, but you have an, uh, an almost a diversity of. Um, of of of, of uh, styles and um, uh, needs and everything else. Um, how does that impact efforts to address, say, the digital divide? Because you know, I think you know when we look at some of the headlines about some of the initiatives that are happening in the, from the White House, a number of those always talk about oh, uh, low income. Housing, uh, subsidized housing, and so forth. Right. Um, and you can sort of say, well, great. If I can, you know, if I can just, you know, draw a little, a little uh, box on a map, and I say all these people, they're there, right? But they're actually, they're not. They're so. Then how does that affect your then your digital inclusion efforts? Well, I think. Um there there are two things that happen in, in for us anyway when we're we're bringing in capacity infrastructure to service a lot of the uh commercial customers you know once again we we not too far in terms of geographically is where we see some of the lower income um areas so it kind of makes it you know, pretty easy and we talked about you know opportunity where if the infrastructure is, is there, we're not having to build out specifically to a low-income area, which is convenient because now we get to tap some of that built-in infrastructure, which is probably more than what is needed on, you know, in, in that market. But we're easily able to, because of, you know, um, wireless technology, and we talked about how, quickly is developing, but when when we talk about development, we're talking about cheaper and cheaper um, you know, equipment and access and, and, and tools that allows us to get to some of those lower income and um, locations and provide uh, pretty pretty decent service at a at a lower cost, which of course they can afford. Mhm. And um, there's, there's a certain amount of um, like once you build uh, several towers, you're able to reach across demographic or economic um, uh, strata, and so that also I would assume helps your um, your profitability, right? Because you've got a certain amount of people coming in that are able to afford say, the faster service, and mm-hmm. at the same time, uh, wireless being wireless, you can um, provide, you know, maybe a, 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 um, not hugely different or less 
um, bandwidth, but you can have, a, you know, you can sort of have a somewhat of a tiered problem um, uh, offering, but you're still able to, to, as a business, be able to provide that because of the nature of wireless. Okay. Yeah, definitely. And yeah. The, the the and what what it's actually also leading to is, you know, different, you know, business models in terms of how the network gets funded and how uh things may be subsidized for different for different markets and in you know, we're experimenting with a, with a lot of that. So it doesn't necessarily have to fit the same business model where, you know, on the commercial end, um, you know, you're paying for dedicated access and and and, um, and also a certain service level, uh, whereas, you know, in residential and maybe even, you know, low income, uh, we're able to play with different models like, you know, online funded, um, public partnerships, um, free access or, um, pay as you go type service um, that allows those things to happen. Now, how much of a uh, strain does it put on you as a company to both create these uh, couple of different le- levels of service and also to administer and manage those uh, different le- le- levels? Yeah, it, it it actually can be different um, and difficult. Um, you know, one in terms of the different markets. You know, when you have commercial access and then you have residential access, one requires a little bit more support. And you know, we've gotten to a pretty self-service um, era, I would guess. People are kind of used to. Um, how Google may put out a product or a service, and you know, it's there's a there's self-service um, type of ways of going about it without having to uh, take up human resources and um, or, or or services which you know can be remotely diagnosed and and solved uh, goes a lot into helping. Oh, you know, service one type of uh, business versus the other. Mm-hmm. And isn't there also a um, a value because you, unlike uh, fiber, you don't have to um, dig up uh, streets or um, you know loop various telephone poles together. You basically, you you know, you tell me if I'm right, uh, um, but you're basically you 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 establish uh, or you put a power power into play into play, and then you have uh, devices on the user, the end user side, and as long as we can ensure some line of sight between towers and individual customers. Um, you can you you move on to the next thing. I mean, you, you basically can move fairly quickly, and you can also support stuff fairly quickly because you're not having to you know in essence go underground 
and deal with a whole bunch of electronics uh, in that in that way. Yeah, no, absolutely. That's that's um, a key component to the advantages that we have in, in the way that you know we built the network. And you know, running fiber has has always been expensive. Um, you know, one because of what's needed to uh, to splice and and connect those fibers from one location to the other, but just going, you know, several hundred feet can the construction of that can be in the tens of thousands of, of dollars, um, you know, just in, in, in actually getting the, the cable over to where it needs to go and, and then the permitting and, and then also right away. So so that makes, um, you know, going, you know, bringing fiber out to a lot of places really cost prohibitive. Right. Now, in the flip side, um, I think that a lot of the uh, fab fiber advocates say that um, you have to worry about the consistency of the speed and you're dealing with wireless, but also you have to worry about security. And I think security is the one biggest bugaboo that everybody who is very anti-wireless and very pro uh, fiber says, well, you know, you can't you can't secure the the network. You can't secure the data. Um, what's the level of um, security nowadays, right? Because I know that twin that ten years ago, this was a fairly valid um, uh, con, uh, concern. But sure. where are we now relative to interference? And security. Well, um, you know we're 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 much further along than we were, you know, a decade ago. One of the things that, you know, is even some of the standards like like Wi-Fi uh, were around, whereas that thing, the the access came before some of the security concerns, but that was quickly added on, um, and has been you know pretty well. Uh, developed since then. So the idea of encryption when you're using the Internet is has always been, whether you're on fiber or whether you're on wireless, has always been the key to security and communication between one point and the other. And mm-hmm. we've gotten to a point to where encryption has become so not only prevalent but easy to use um, where you know, we've had just recent cases where, you know, the government complained that this, you know, encryption is stopping them from getting into the communications that that they need uh, or information that they're looking for. So, um, in with that encryption, you know, we're talking about as it relates to, you know, wireless and maybe a wired or fiber connection. If if you're using that, then you're going to be, you know, as secure as 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 you can be and in a pretty safe uh manner that we have in the way that we use it today uh you, you know our signal in a lot of cases are especially when we're talking about um our higher end um, um services the beam widths are so small 
that you would have to be in the line of what's what's being transmitted to to tap into it. Um, and then you would have to have your security credentials and, and what have you to actually connect to the network and possibly uh, tap in. So that's that's physically very unusual and very hard to do um, on one end. And today the way, you know, people are, you know, getting into networks are from your wide line, you know, hubs and access points. And it, it, even even that, even though it's fiber, what you, you're able to do is you're able to go in and tap in. No one knows the difference, and um, you know that that can cause a bigger security risk than uh, trying to be on someone's roof and holding something up to try to get a signal. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you're you're basically saying that that the evolution of wireless is constantly changing and we're definitely better today than we were, you know, five or ten years ago. And that, I assume, is going to still keep on going. Um, How does this change the overall uh, dynamic? There's... I'd say two or three years ago, and and beyond uh, before that, um, you know, when you talked about bringing high speed internet, like in the the hundreds of megs or in the gigabit realm, um, there was a there was there was a mindset that says, oh, we don't want to have to deal with that, right? We don't want to have to deal with that expense, and we don't have to deal with the the effort and this, that, and the other kind of thing. Um, is there a change that you see or sense uh, from our elected, elected officials that now they're more willing to talk about bringing high-speed access to everyone? Well, you know, I, as as time progresses and as people continue to make use of the internet. I'm we're using it every 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 more often every more often for more and more things. Um if you go back five years ago or you know, six to ten years ago, you know, people were you're going to websites, getting information, communicating via email, um, you know, but today people are you know, the the, the phone network is now on on the internet, so people are you know making phone calls and and you know over the internet, and then now video has been a, you know a huge thing. Um, so so we're we're finding almost every use that we have to to use the internet. So it, it's becoming more essential and more important in you know our day to day activities. And as you know the as time goes on, I like the officials start to realize that they they have to live themselves. They see that well, you know without internet access there's there's less things that I can do now that you know I would typically do if I had it and um you know it it's just become an essential you know part of our modern lives we you know we use it to to get jobs we use it to find information we use it for health we use it for uh entertainment and and uh and now to keep track of things you know we're keeping track of ourselves in terms of 
um, you know, our health and we're keeping track and using, you know, sensors for cars and Internet of Things and, um, you know, high-definition video. So there there isn't a use that we don't have today for, for, for the Internet, and it, it just becomes uh, something that we have to make sure is available to, to everyone. Okay. And so there's – so definitely you're just describing – a um, a need that is being pre- presented as being universal, and so there is the push uh, for meeting the need, say more so than uh, it's a technology issue, right? Um, you know, because before, you know, if it's five years ago, everyone would be like, well, what do you need to have a gig for? And what's right. going to cost us an arm and a leg? And oh, by the way, it's going to cost us an arm and a leg. <laughs> you know, it's sort of like right. the, the 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 burden of the cost versus the you know the sense of there wasn't a really neat, uh, important need for you know broadband um, helped shape the discussions whether we should go forward or not. And now, from what you're saying, is that the need has become so universal that, um, yes, people will want to pay less, but there's sort of, I guess, a certain point of people saying, you know what, we just, we're going to have to bite the bullet, and now we have to just go. We have to do something because, you know, we can't be a large, major city and have a communication infrastructure that is subpar. Sure. Yeah. Okay. It, and as as uh, you, the there are, you know, in terms of a city and what is essential to to that city and and and, and who pays for it. You know, is this, is this a taxpayer that's going to pay for? Uh, the internet access that that can can always be debatable debatable but the thing is is that you know the more connected your city is and the more communications options there are available you know that it's been known to increase the economic development of that of that area so the the trick is is how do how do you get that into uh a community and um you know how do you, how 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 is this going to be paid for? Um, there's there's you, you have to find that community is going to have to find its way to figure out what what is the best method. And 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 quite frankly, what ends up happening is, is in any situation, uh, competition is is the biggest key in bringing down prices and and, and options and and um, and openness. So. When you when you know the biggest mistake some of these towns and maybe cities may make is, well, we're going to select a vendor to do this. Well, you know when you do that, then it's completely within their realm to to charge as much as they can to 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 make this happen. And you know I what you want to do is have you know the most open and most competitive uh, landscape so that you know prices. Uh, for doing something like that and getting the the amount of service you need um, can be a much more cheaper, you know, affair. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I would definitely see, yeah, definitely agree with that. Um, I want to uh, move t- 
to another item uh, just for a second. Um, you uh, use uh, technology um, from, what is it, Seaclue? And they seem to be coming up, uh, their name keeps coming up, at least in the circles that I hang out with. Um, are they, Number one, are they um, a key part of your ability to be able to deliver a gigabit in your in your footprint? Yeah, they they um, have been uh, great at um, taking uh, equipment and pushing those uh, pushing it to the limit and 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 uh, making it very reasonable in terms of um, you know price and, and deploying it and 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 they've been leading the way with other with other vendors and and bringing the cost down in you know this new generation of, of wireless technology and that's that's kind of where um, when you talk about standardization and um, you know the chipsets that are 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 available readily more available today that you know once you become efficient at creating and manufacturing you know this equipment you you, you really can provide you know faster cheaper uh, equipment that allows uh, operators like us to to take advantage of. Mm-hmm. And um, I guess that I mean it's a general business principle that the more um, these u- uses are given for uh, for wireless infrastructure, um, you will have a lowering of the cost of the component parts that make up the wireless infrastructure, um, which is kind of what, what, what I take from your, your, your comments, is that um, not only does say, a company such as Suklu um, provides a useful um, infrastructure, you know, component parts, but as you do, or as our the country gets more and more behind uh, these kinds of buildouts, you know these wireless buildouts, you will also sense or see a dropping of the price as well, which then makes it even more affordable um, for for your customers. Yes, um, yes absolutely. Okay, okay, and. Um, as we move forward, okay, so like we've got, uh, you know, you doing this work in, in, uh, in uh, Cleveland, um, we have this um, very public uh, project happening with uh, Manhattan. Um, do you think that... Um, these projects in these high-profile cities will um, improve yet even more the speed at which people are are moving to uh, wireless technology as a way to deliver high-speed access. I I, I think it can, and at the end... 
Um, and if we fast forward, I would say to, to the end of the projects of the of this of this type, it really comes down to the experience that um, uh, people have in using the system. They, um, you know, the, we, the technology is there to provide the type of access for people to have experience with with wireless that um, you know people can rely on and people can you know get to see. It, you know the possibilities of of what they could do with this um sometimes you know you get to where there's um maybe there's an issue in you know how much is spent to to engineer that um and there are other other things that might make the end user experience not what it is but so far um it looks like that the goal to to build something you know, uh, specifically for that project, should should deliver what what people are looking for. Mm-hmm. Um, let's talk a little bit about the um, you know the human factor. You know, we talked about in a general sense that uh, low income communities are well served by technology and companies such as yours because if you're bringing that um, affordable uh, access at a fairly de- you know, decent price, there are going to be people who will say, yes, I can take advantage of that. But in, in, in more maybe human terms, what's the, imp- what's the impact? What's the, the end product that will, uh, that will shape the social aspect of the uh, you know uh, uh, what it is that you're doing. Um, I think when you look at video, video is probably where you know most of what pe- most people will experience um, more often than anything else. Um, you know, picture tells a thousand words, and 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 the video can go beyond that. Um, mm-hmm. it, it's it's gotten, you know, when you're talking about speed and, and capacity, n- now you, you're talking about being able to 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 get video across and communicate with video um, a lot more easier without having to worry about, well, is there an infrastructure to support that? Can everybody, will everybody see this or or not? And, you know, it, it, it we went from sort of a, a broadcast um, type of um, form of entertainment where you know we're getting things from from television stations and cable networks where we're 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 watching video to being producers of that content and communicating with video. So you know the YouTubes and the Netflixes of you know of the world are now you know offering services from varying degrees of of definite high, higher definition. So. Whereas one po- at one point, you know, doing live video would have been a challenge. You, you know, you know, was okay. there enough bandwidth on this end? Is there enough bandwidth on the other end? Um, you know, can, but now we're, we're looking at, you know, um, Periscope and we're looking at Facebook Live and we're looking at other platforms where that's not even uh, considered. It, it's, it's thought to be a default that there's enough speed and capacity and these networks can 
can handle the fact that everyone is broadcasting to everyone else and and people communicating you know all through video and that is only going to get more high more higher depth and, and the definition is going to get you know higher as we go so we're just looking at you know the live video stream era where you can communicate with video but then you know what happens next is well let's see how the higher definition we can get in doing that and everything else. And then um, what's the impact from a uh, economic viewpoint? Because I think that people can look at this and say, yes, it'll, it'll help keep families uh, together. It'll allow people to access material and content that helps them improve. And people can create uh, content that can help others improve and so forth. Um, right. Uh, so, so, so as, as a society, you know, within these these various um, communities, you know, there's an impact. What about just the, the dollars and cents aspect? Um, what will be the re- result if you can get uh, low-income communities? on board and on par with their suburban kids, their suburban professionals, and so forth and so on? Well, I I mean, you know, when you're talking about, you know, access and and higher bandwidth access, I mean, education comes to to mind in terms of, you know, um, when you have a a very rich way to communicate, uh, then then you also have a, a rich way to educate, and you know when in, being able to be in one location and see what's happening either live from another location where something is available or information. It could be a teacher, it could be an instructor, it could be uh, a job uh, where you know having being able to communicate you know, um, through video or through text or through whatever means as available becomes very important. Um, you know, education is the way where, um, you know, people move um, from from one economic status to another. Um, and and that's, that's kind of where, you know, you see uh, the Internet playing a larger role, uh, especially if now that, it's 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 you have these multiple options of getting information. Mm-hmm. Okay, that makes sense. So we've got about uh, we've got about four minutes or so left. Um, this plan that you have to a um, to enter into the New York uh, market. Um, what do you think that will do for your Company being able to just you know address worlds in two different states. Well, I, I think it it helps the profile of the company, uh, knowing that we can compete in what's known as a as a very uh, highly competitive market. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it helps the profile of, of the company and, and and what our capable our capabilities are. Uh, but then also, of course, you know, we look for for opportunities. So 
when when we see an opportunity and we know that we can we can um, take advantage of it, then then we're going to go ahead and 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 do that. And um, you know, if we can be profitable at doing it, that's that's what we're what we're going to be after. Okay. And and what do you consider your competitive advantage? Because I will, I mean, not giving away all the, the secrets or anything, but mm-hmm. um, it's a. I think people understand that it's a pretty competitive market in general. And then you've got this high-profile deal thing going on in New York. I mean, isn't that going to be really rough for you to have to deal with the competitive world? Well, I mean, I think. You know, when you, when you're in business, you have to be ready for competition at, at all times. And if you bake that into what you do, it just becomes the day-to-day affair for what for what you do. Um, and 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 that, and that's the the way it should work. I mean, you know, when there's more competition, then you know the consumers win. And um, that's that's you know we're hoping to play a role in that. Okay. Well, then that, and it'll be interesting to see how it goes. Um, you know, because a lot of the people I run into are rural folks, right? Uh, in terms of providers right. and so forth. And when we talk about WISP, the one thing I've I've seen across the board is that WISP are fairly uh, tenacious folks and are creative, and as a result, they do good service providing in a, you know a good quality product so i'm assuming that that's still you know going to be the case cuz you know you've been at this since uh, 2003 has it been yeah yeah we started our the company in 2003 well needless to say <laughs> you have found some staying power so there, there's some upside to that, uh, most most definitely. Well, I definitely wish you best of luck. Uh, we'll probably touch base, in, you know, a year ago, a year ago, or so, and um, you know, see how that all plays out. But um, I definitely like what it is that you guys have been doing, and uh, you know, I appreciate the fact that you're continuing to keep, um, you know, broad broadband. A uh, you know a, a, an affordable uh, service, so more. Popular. Thank you, absolutely. All righty, so um, so we'll talk again, and to our audience, uh, this uh, concludes our show for today. But uh, tomorrow we should have uh, on our show someone from Kansas City who will be talking about uh, their libraries and how their libraries are using broadband. So be there uh, here uh, tomorrow. Take care.